She's trying to make your day. She was trying to make your day. Well, welcome you all here this morning. Got some new faces. You're welcome at, to Grace Point this morning. You're welcome to come to the potluck, everybody. If you brought something or if you didn't, just come down and you know, eat with us and uh, have, have a meal with us. When you're down there, look at the wall. I love what Pam has done. Uh, she's been in the church and decorating down there. And she's got every book of the Bible is up there. And it has the message or the meaning of that book. And you've done some other decoration too down there. So you need to go look at the walls and look at that. It's for children's ministry. And uh, <clears throat> I want to honor Pam this morning. Pam puts a lot of work in at the church. She's here three or four times a week cleaning and uh, getting things ready. She does so many things behind the scenes. She probably puts in over 20 hours a week and all the stuff she does. And I just want to honor her. And uh, I've been living with Pam. How long have we been married now, babe? 32 years we've been living together. Amen. <laughs> and I never hear my wife say an unkind word about anybody. Ever. Ever. I'm telling you the truth. She's just a kind person. And um, the reason I bring that up, I just wanted to honor her for that. Mother Teresa said... Um, if you want to know whether someone's really a Christian, ask their family. Ask their husband, ask their wife. You should ask your husband, am I really a Christian? And tell them, be honest, don't lie to you. Do I live? <laughs> Catch him on a good day, right? But I always like that, and I, I, I've asked Pam before, Pam, am I a Christian? Would you, is there enough evidence in my life? that I'm a Christian, so I'm really grateful for Pam and everything she does. I just wanted to honor her this morning and thank her, really appreciate her. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12. We're in a mind renewal series. I'm actually going to talk uh, about uh, honor today, and I'm going to talk about giving a little bit, and I'm not going to apologize for it. The Lord um, dropped this on my heart. The way I prepare a message... Um, I was thinking I was going to preach on the power of God. I had it already, and uh, God's been talking to me about the power of God. Without the power of God in our life, it's so easy to drift over into religion, where we're going through forms and rituals and outer ordinances, but we don't have any power. There's no change in our life. There's no fruit. God's not interacting. God wants us to live a life of power and dependence on Him, and I mean by His power, the word says, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So God wants to be in our life. But Thursday morning, uh, the way the Lord does it with me, I'm reading, and he just pours stuff onto me. And as I was reading this, I, I knew that the Lord wanted me to share this. So I'm going to start reading Romans chapter 12. And we've been in this talking about renewing our minds. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you are born again? Okay, you can raise your hand if you want to. If you don't, that's okay. You got God's Spirit inside of you. Do you know that when God's Spirit is inside of you, that God's law is no longer contrary to you? How many knew that? You know, if you don't believe that, there's, I'm just going to give you one, I could give you many proof texts, but uh, Psalms 119 is a whole psalm about how much David loved the law. Anybody ever read that? It's the longest chapter in the Bible. 
David's just saying, oh, Lord, how I love your law. Now, we're not under the law. Is that correct? The Gentiles never were, to be honest with you. If you're a Jewish person, they were under the law. The Gentiles, I'm not talking about that. And when I say law, I mean the word of God for us as Christians, Gentiles. And then uh, the moral law of God, God's precepts, his instruction, his guidance. He said, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. If the word of God and the commandments of God and the law of God, God's truth is repugnant to you, it is impossible that you're born again. I know, but you are born again, so, amen? Someone say amen. When you're born again, the, Jesus is birthed in you, and the Spirit of Christ is birthed in you. You become a new creation, and it takes our minds a, a while to catch up sometimes, you know, because we don't know everything that God has done for us. How do we find out what God has done for us or what God is like? The Word of God and... Yeah, prayer, time with the Lord. I'm going to submit to you, it's not enough just to read the Bible, although there is nothing you could do better with your time than spend time in the Word. I spend time in the Word every day. Today was no exception. I, I love the Word of God. I love the Word of God. I have other books to read, and I, I can't get to them because the Bible's so fascinating. They're just not as interesting to me, even though I do read other things. But also, we need to spend time with, with the Lord, the Spirit of God, and have Him communicating to us. For example, the Bible says that uh, God honors marriage, right? Men and women should not really be living with each other until they're married because God honors the covenant of marriage. And uh, I know our culture, is things are confusing out there, right? But so we know the general will of God that we're supposed to, uh, we're going to have intimate relation with anybody. It takes a covenant. Young kids, it takes a covenant. You pledge yourself to them. They pledge themselves to you. Then they can, you can enjoy each other's bodies. That's how the Bible works. That's what the truth says. But that's the law of God. That's the word of God. Does anybody believe that's true? Our culture struggles with it, but I don't. And I wasn't perfect. I want to be honest with you. I wasn't perfect in that myself as a young man. I did not walk perfectly that way. Some of you probably didn't either. But I, I know that is God's way, and I've been forgiven. But, you know, even though the Word tells you that's how you're supposed to do in the Word, the Word doesn't tell you who you're supposed to marry, does it? It tells you you're supposed to be married. It honors God. Uh, a, a marriage relationship needs to have a covenant but the word didn't say, and that means Pam Kittle. I didn't see that in Numbers chapter 5, where it said, Mary Pam Kittle. I had to discern the will of God by the Spirit of God, didn't I? Didn't I? We have to be hearing from God. There's a lot of things in our life we won't know the will of God, even though we have the general will of God. We don't have specifics, like Pam and I give. I'm going to talk about giving later. We give, and we, we give to our church first, but we also give to other ministries. Does anybody here have about, you know, I exaggerate, but about 100 different ministries that send stuff to you to give? Or five or six or ten? When you start giving, you'll get letters from various and sundry ministries. Well, Pam and I like to give. We love to help the poor. We like to help people. But we don't know who the Lord wants us to give to unless we pray about it. 
Do I give to Operation Evangelization? Do I give to Mark Hankins Ministries? Do I give to Samaritan, Samaritan Ministries? That's a good ministry to give to. Do I give to Life Outreach? Do I give to Reinhardt Bonke's ministry? Who, well, I got to pray about that. Someone say amen. amen. So the word of God is always true and it's always vital, but we have to have a relationship with that word to apply it into our life. Wisdom and knowledge come from God and the spirit of God. He wants to give you wisdom and knowledge in applying his wisdom and his word in your life. Amen. You married Dina. You had wisdom there, Rodney. Right? God gave you direction. Or sometimes the smartest thing you can do is not marry that person. Someone say amen. But if you're married, you're married. You're not getting out of it. You're not getting out of it. That's the eternal covenant. You better make it work. Make it work. And if you're the rascal, quit being a rascal. Amen? Don't make, the, don't make your partner suffer because you're... The Word of God says, husbands, here I am, Lord. The Word of God says, husbands, honor your wives. Honor them. Honor them. Charlie, oh, you're not married. Honor them. <laughs> honor them. So we need the Word of God and we need the wisdom of God. Part of renewing our mind to the word. I'm going to read it. I will read it. Part of renewing our mind, though, is reading the information and taking God to prayer and then applying it. And I say, oh, the word of God will not help you if you don't apply it. What you don't know about Ken and Linda that I know about them, Ken has how many miracle testimonies relating to God's provision in his life? How many does he have? At least a hundred. I know that they're tithers and they're givers. If God just blessed the people that needed blessed the most, where would he go? Where would he go? Wouldn't he go to India? He'd bypass the United States. We're doing pretty good. We're working. We have money. Even though things maybe aren't what we want them to be or what we wish they were, if he based things on need, he would just skip right over our country and he would go right into India and everybody that was starving and everybody that was hungry, he would provide their needs, wouldn't he? If it was based purely on need. Now, as the body of Christ, we give to those in need. I'm going to talk about that if I can get to it. It's in there. It's in my message. I'm going to talk about that. We do. But Missy, it's wonderful that we help Samaritan's ministries in giving to the poor we are God's hands and feet. Someone say amen. amen. This church single-handedly feeds between, I don't know, 150, 200 people three times a week in Haiti. This little church does with really precious little help from anybody else. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. You put Haiti on your, your check and put the amount in, I, I put it on the memo on my check and you circle that and that money will go to help feed kids in Haiti. So we're the body of Christ. We do offer grace and we do help people. But God is a covenant God. God is a God of grace. He's a covenant God. God's hand moves by faith. Why? So it can be by grace. Why faith? So it can be by grace. You don't earn it. You believe God, and he, oh, Abraham believed God, and God said, you're righteous. You think you're righteous on your own? I pray that God shows you that you're not. I hope he digs deep into your heart. 
He'll drive you to your knees. If you think you're righteous without the Father, without the sacrifice of Jesus on that cross, He'll make you righteous by His Holy Spirit in you, but it won't come from yourself. I promise you that. He'll show it to you. As the Old Testament says, He'll lift up your skirts and He'll show you the shame of your nakedness apart from His covering blood and sanctification. So when we renew our minds, Paul says, in light of the mercy of God, we present our bodies as a living what? Sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable worship, your service. Don't be conformed to this world. Guys, I love you. I'm not getting on you. I'm really not. I, you guys are probably the exception. Most Christians do not know what it means not to be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to this world. The world has a way of doing things, and God has a way of doing things, and they are totally opposite. God says that the things that men love to Him are an abomination. Did you know that's in there? Our, our, the way we weigh and judge righteousness, God's standard of righteousness is so much higher than ours, it's so perfect. I got a friend that he's always judging God. And I love the guy. He struggles because in the Old Testament, you see God as a judge, don't you? I don't struggle with that. And I, there's a lot of stuff in there, and you got to rightly divide the word, but I don't struggle with it because who has the ability, the holiness, and the righteousness, and the uh, justice to judge? God. God and God alone, has, He is the only one that has the authority, the righteousness, and the holiness to judge. And if He judges you, you deserve it. Thank God, <laughs> in the new covenant, we're under mercy. Amen? Thank God, God didn't treat me after my sins. I could dance, I could shout. If we really got it, we came in here on Sunday morning, and they started singing, and you got one of those faster songs, you'd start dancing and shouting like David, because if you really knew what you really, really deserve based on God's righteousness, the law of God was God's righteousness coming in and saying, this is what I expect, this is righteous. Do you know, I was reading this week, like in the Old Testament, if you committed, I'll get there, I'll get there, I'll get there. If you committed adultery, they would take you out and they would stone you. Oh, Wow. How many's glad you're not under the law? Woo! How many wouldn't be here right now? Don't answer that question. <laughs> you better thank God for Jesus. Did God want to judge us and throw stones at us and all those things? No. You got to rightly divide. No, Jesus wouldn't have died on the cross. The law is a tutor or a governor, a schoolmaster to drive us to God. Say, God, okay. And because you're saved and the law of God is not repugnant to you, sometimes we lose sight of that. But if the Lord ever shows you your self-effort trying to, you know, okay, so you're all righteous and you're doing well and you're not, well, then let's all go out right now. Let's all go raise the dead. After church, I want you to go knock on ten, your ten of your neighbor's door and tell them Jesus loves them. In other words, if I put a bunch of rules and laws on you, uh, like Jesus did the rich young ruler, the rich young ruler came to Jesus in his own righteousness. Did you know that? That's one of the premier lessons of that story. He, he said, hey, 
How do I get, you know, right before God? How do I get eternal life? He said, just obey the law. Just do what Moses told you to do. He goes, hey, I'm doing that. I've done it. I've done the law. I'm pretty good. I'm a good guy. And uh, Jesus said, okay, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. What's the first law in the law of God? The very first commandment. The very, there's two, they're like each other. What's the very first? Am I doing okay? I hope so, because I can't stop. I can't stop. It's just coming. It's just coming. What's the, what's, the, what's the first law? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Don't have any other gods before him. That is the first and principal law, and everything comes out of that. Even the second commandment, which is? Charlie, I love you. Chris and Jen, you're my neighbors. I love you guys. You're, I'll never do you harm. As long as God's alive, you're my neighbors. I love you guys. Parker, I love you guys. You're my neighbors. Love God. And so Jesus put that guy to the test. You're my neighbor. I love you. Jesus put that guy to the test. He said, sell everything. He found out that he didn't love God as much as he loved something else. And it's very interesting because Jesus added a commandment when he said he kept all the commandments. He also added, he said, don't defraud. That's not one of the Ten Commandments. Did you know that? But when Jesus listed the commandments, he threw that one in there too. Very interesting. I wonder if the guy was defrauding people. He threw it in there for some reason. Don't defraud. And the guy left sorrow. Why did he leave sorrowful? He loved money. And Jesus knew it. Wouldn't you rather get grace, guys? How many want to throw everything in the pot this morning? Right? And pick up your cross and start following Jesus this morning, just going to throw it all in. Or would you rather just ask God for a little mercy and grace this morning? Anybody want mercy and grace? Amen. Let God do the work inside to transform you by his grace. Standard's still the same. Good news for the Christian, we get grace and mercy. The grace that saves you will change you. The grace that saves you, the good news will change you. God will put his law in your heart. He'll put it in his mind, in your mind. That's good news. And you guys, because you have the Spirit of God, have that. All right. So he says, uh, prove the will of God. We need the Word of God, and we need the Spirit of God. Can anybody do without either? No, we can't. So I want to read this. I want to talk about honor this morning. As we're renewing our minds, one of the things that just came to me strong, uh, Paul, or, uh, Paul is reading out here, and he said later on, he said we should honor one another. He said, be of the same mind one to the other. Do not uh, mind high things, but associate with humble people. Do not be wise in your own opinion. He says, as, uh, repay no one evil for evil, but repay good in the sight of all men. As much as possible with you, live peaceably with all men. Whatever's possible with you, do it. And he says, in honor, trying to... I'm, Trying to find it there because different translations have different uh, wording. He says, in honor, prefer one another. In honor, it's 1210. In honor, prefer one another. He says, we should honor one another. He says it in the next chapter too, in chapter 13. He says, we should be honoring one another. Isn't that good? In our culture... This concept of honor, and again, I know we need this because the Lord dropped it Thursday morning to me. This culture of honor is being decimated. 
You honor your wife, you honor your husband. Flip over to Matthew 15. Let's, let's get into this. Let's flip over to Matthew 15. Anybody see the gladiator? Remember at the end, anybody loved the gladiator? I did. If you're a man, you, you're, you're going to love the gladiator if you're a man. You're going to love it. And at the end, Maximus, what was that bad Nero's name? I don't remember. Commodus? Commodus. They're in there fighting, and, and Maximus, he's a righteous man, isn't he? In the movie, he's a righteous man. He looks at Commodus and he says, the days of you honoring yourself are over. The days of you honoring yourself are over. Charlie, I think it was you that posted something about, <laughs> as you do, <laughs> about um, people can boast and brag about getting away with things. You can think you're getting away with something that no one sees you. But God sees everything. And those that honor themselves in this country, their day of honoring themselves is coming to an end. Everything we say and do is going to come into judgment. Aren't you happy for grace and mercy? Or who wants all their stuff up on the wall? Woo, thank God for the blood. If I said right now, everything you've thought or done this week is going up on the wall, how many would you run to the altar and ask God to cover it in the blood just like that? I'm the only one, right? Even my dear wife raises her hands, and she's the sweetest person I know. Okay. This is good news. I'm up to, this is good news. Then the scribes and the Pharisees, who were from Jerusalem, chapter 15 of Matthew, came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? And why do they uh, don't wash their hands when they eat? You don't have to wash your hands when you come down to eat today, guys. When you, we don't have any water buckets downstairs to wash you. You're free. You don't have to. Jesus said you didn't. He answered and says, why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded saying, honor, someone say honor, honor. your father and mother. And whoever curses his father or mother, uh-oh kids, hold on now. Some of you kids right now should be saying, thank God for mercy. I want to hear it. Come on, kids. I want to hear it. Thank you. You better say uncle or something. He says, whoever says to his mother, okay, he says, uh, and he curses his mother or father, let him be put to death. Woo! Chris, what do you think about that? Whoever curses their mom or dad, let them be put to death. Guys, that's the law. That's God's righteous standard right there. You, my kids would be fried. I don't know about yours. And I would be fried. That's the law of God. That's God's perfect right. You do not curse your mom and dad. Period. Well, you don't know what they did to me. You don't curse your mom and dad. They brought you into this world. <laughs> That's... For some of you, that's true too. That's God's system. I remember when, and I, some of you are new and you haven't heard my story, me and my mom, I, I just, I, you know, I felt hurt, my relationship with my mom and stuff was going on, and it just wasn't working, you know, and um, I remember talking to the Lord about it, and I remember the day that the Lord told me, he said, Brad, I didn't tell you to judge your mom or qualify your mother, I told you to honor her. I want you to honor your mother. And from that time on, 
I like to listen to the Lord. He's smarter than me. And I did. I started honoring my mother. And do you know, everything flipped right there. Me and my mom, I see her once a week. I love my mom. She loves me. We have a great relationship. But it all flipped when I started doing what the Bible said. I didn't judge my mother. I was honoring my mother. And I love my mother. I have a great relationship with her. It was me. I didn't realize it was me. But it was me. And uh, these people, they had this law. I'll tell you about it. They said that whoever says to his mother or father, whatever profit you've received from me, I gave it to God. And then he does not honor his father or mother. You have made the commandment of God of no effect by your, tradi by your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah talked about you truly. Those people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And if you'll notice Jesus, Jesus is moving away from the letter of the law, the Jewish law. That whole system's coming under judgment. I preached it. At the, every time I read Matthew, I see it more and more clear. I just get more and more convinced. The whole thing's coming under, because Jesus did not want a legal you know, yeah, okay, all this legal righteousness. Hey, the money that I was going to use to help you, uh, mom, I gave it to the church, right? He said, you break God's commandment where you don't honor your mother and father, okay, by your tradition. He says, because your hearts are really, truly far from me. So it's always about the heart, isn't it? One of the things that jumped at me, I heard a, a preacher say recently, he said, honor to honor somebody will cost you something. Now think, now I, and when I, I don't just, like everything I hear, I don't just swallow it down. I heard another preacher say something this week, and I'm praying about it. It was kind of a staggering thing. I don't necessarily say it's right or wrong. I pray about it. Don't you do that? You should be praying about what I pray. I don't want you to believe in everything that I preach unless you dig it in the Word. Dig it in. I'm not afraid of you going into the Bible and reading it. Please read your Bible. Read it. It has to be real to you, not just to me. But he said, every time you honor somebody, it'll cost you something. And I was thinking about that, praying over it. And, you know, it sounded right when he said it. And then, then I came on this scripture, like right after. How in this scripture do you honor your mother and your father? How does he say you do it? Anybody want to answer? <laughs> What does he say? It's not a trick question. You take care of them. It costs you something. I said, oh, Lord, look at that, Jesus. You mean it costs something to honor. I saw it right there. Honor your mother and father. You know, and, and, you know, and with my mother, I found that to be true. My mom's getting older, and we need to take care of her and do certain things certain ways. And so... I want to honor my mother. It's going to cost me something. I'll just tell you, you know, I'm not, nothing I'm doing bragging about anything, but to honor my mom, I got to get my weed whacker out every couple weeks, go over to her house. You think I like to do that? Middle of the summer on a hot day on my day off or go over there and weed whack? No, it's, but it's going to cost me something to honor my mother. In fact, I, I really, I wish I would be better at it. Or if your mother or dad are struggling financially and they, they need some help or something, we want to be 
generous. I knew some young men that their mom would ask for money, and they would about yell at her when, just because she needed some money to go to the store. They'd just about they'd mock her and yell at her. Isn't that bad? It bothered, it bothered me. So I want to talk about this. Part of honor, if we're going to honor somebody, it is going to cost us something. You know, when they honored the king, right, it cost something to honor the king. There was a, I won't have time to get there. I really wish I could teach through all this stuff because I could go through scripture after scripture after scripture. But in 2 Samuel, I believe it's 24, 24, David says, I will not give God something that doesn't cost me something. I won't give God something that doesn't cost me something. God is a great king. And David knew it. To understand who God really is, set your life together. What time is it? Okay, good. I got to pace myself. I got to get there. If you flip over to 1 Timothy chapter 5, I want to talk about honor. Folks, honor costs you something to honor somebody. And the Lord showed it to me. I heard it, and then he started showing it to me in the scripture The Lord is saying to the spirit of uh, Commodus, the time for honoring yourself is coming to an end. To the spirit of Commodus. 1 Timothy 5, verse 3. Paul says, honor widows who are really widows. And I'm not going to read the whole text. If you read this scripture, and please do, go into the whole context. When Paul was telling them to honor widows, what's he saying? How are they going to honor these widows? He said, if they're younger widows, don't put them on the list. They'll want a husband and they'll, they'll break their vows. So don't put a younger widow. How are they going to honor the widows? They're going to take care of them. In fact, in the book of Acts, they were taking care of widows, weren't they? If they were really widows, so they're going to financially provide for widows. If they're really widows, how do you honor them? It's going to cost you something. Okay, flip down to verse 17. Help me with this one, Jesus. He said, let the elder who rules well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and in doctrine. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox who treads out the grain. The laborer is worthy of his hire. Do not receive an accusation against an elder unless there are two or three witnesses there. Don't do it. Why? Because you're honoring that elder. I'm not saying this for me. I'm really not. I'm not. You guys, Pam and I receive a salary here. You guys do very well by us and we're very grateful. But what I want to show you is, if you're going to honor the, the elder that labors in the word, it's going to cost the church something, isn't it? Come on, someone say amen. 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 And don't receive an accusation against them either, any elder. Charlie, Ken, Jeff, Larry, unless there's two or three witnesses. Why? Because you honor them. Paul said, honor those that labor among you. You honor them. Someone say amen. amen. I don't want to stay there. Flip over to Proverbs chapter 
3, and I'll read verse 9. Honoring costs something, folks. But we live in a culture, not you guys, you're the church of God. I know you're not like that for the most part. We live in a, church, a, a culture out there in the world that slander is the quickest thing that will come off someone's tongue. Gossip, tailbearing, slander is the f- first thing that will come off someone's tongue. When you, if, if you would come up to me today and tell me something about Sonny Humphrey, I would not believe you. Something bad about Sonny Humphrey. I might go to her and ask her, I would not believe you. In fact, I wouldn't believe anything that someone said until I confirmed it with that person. Amen? Because I want to honor you. Bible says honor all men. Honor people. Honor all men. We, we need a culture of honor. And to honor costs something. But you guys, you're the church of God. You do have honor. I pray you walk in dignity and honor. But out in that culture, do you know how easy it is to slander, to belittle, to put down? I, don't, I haven't been to a football game like in, you know, or something in a long time. But man, I've been to little league baseball games. Woo! You talk about a culture of dishonor. Just let that boy get benched or something. Or, oh, the stuff you hear... Or the way people talk about referees, and God forgive me because I used to get mad at uh, Urban Meyer, so just God forgive me. <laughs> I used to, I, this is true, and I'm, I'm getting off my, don't let me lose your anointing, Lord. I, used to, I quit watching Ohio State football. The first game I watched in, I don't, full game was yesterday. And the reason I quit watching them, I just couldn't keep my little dishonoring tongue from ragging on the coach. Who knows better than the coach? Raise your hand. Come on. I do. Does anybody else? I'm the only one that knows. I do better play calling. I'll tell you what. In that game, no, I ain't going to talk about it, Lord. That's just our, that's human nature. But I quit watching it because I found that as much as I tried not to dishonor, I would be saying, I'd say, Lord, I can't talk that way. I had to get that thing under control. I had to get my mouth under control. We live in a culture where it's so easy to slander. It's so easy to dishonor. But that's not the people of God. We are a people of honor. This church, we have a culture of honor. The Bible says when someone comes to you with an accusation, okay, you bring it to someone else and you find out, you go and find out the truth. And that wasn't even the purpose of my message. We don't dishonor people. Anybody. So much so that the word says we love our enemies. We don't dishonor our enemies. Did you know that? The same verse where it says, honor all people, it says, love all people. We love everybody. We love everybody. Okay. Honoring costs something. Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions. I'm listening for an amen. I want to hear an amen. Come on. And with the first fruits of all your increase. What's the good deal, Lord? So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will burst out with new wine. There's a promise with honoring God. We're not under law like the the Gentiles were never under the law of tithing. We're not under the law of tithing, but tithing is a matter of the heart. Giving Paul even calls giving a grace. And I know some of you 
uh, until that grace hits your heart, you just don't understand what it is. But when you, you are here, good to see you. Good to see you. No, I asked your grandpa about you. Giving is a way we honor God, folks. And the principle of tithing is giving God your first fruits, your best. That's an eternal principle. If you knew and you had faith and you understood, if we understand by faith, this is not a legal covenant, you're not under law, no one's making you. If it's not in your heart, I tell people don't do it. If it isn't in your heart, don't do it. Find out. Get it in your heart. Because if you knew who you were tithing to and who you were honoring, because honor costs you something. David said, I won't give God an offering. It doesn't cost me something. Honor costs you something. You would rush to give God your tithes and offerings. You would stumble over your feet to do it. Someone say amen. Amen. And if you don't, I love you. I don't know what anybody in this church gives except for me. I don't care. I love you. It doesn't matter to me. If you don't give a penny, I love you. I don't, I don't judge you by what you give. I have no idea what you give. If you don't give a penny, I'm telling you in your own interest, you should honor God with the first fruits of all your labors. You should give God honor with your giving. Flip over to Malachi. What time is it? I, I gotta I tell, I gotta wrap this up. Ten more minutes. Woo! When we love the Lord, we love his law. Did you know that? It's the truth. Two things stop us from giving, but maybe three. Greed, fear, or lack of knowledge. Greed, fear, I'm afraid. I don't and I feel so I feel bad for I understand people have need. I'm telling you, if you needed a pair of shoes, I'd buy you a pair right now, okay? I care about that. But folks, the way it works is God is worthy of our first. He's worthy of our best. He just, and that, guys, I know a guy that every day, he's a preacher, so he, every day he gets up and he spends 10% of his time in 2.4 hours, I think it is, with God. He tithes his time to God. Isn't that something? Mike, I encourage you to do that. <laughs> no, I know you're a busy man. 2.4 hours to God every day. He tithes his time to God. Isn't that cool? Okay, Malachi. I'm talking about honor. And guys, I, this transcends just giving. I had to bring, this is what the Lord showed me. That preacher said that honor cost you something. And Thursday morning, the Lord showed me that it was true. And I had to preach it hell or high water or low water. I had to preach it. Malachi chapter 1 Verse 6, you really ought to read the whole book of Malachi. It's a great book. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? Who's talking here? God. God's using his prophet, and his prophet's telling the truth. If I am a master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts, to your priests who despise my name? These are the Jewish people. Understand, they were under literal letter of the law people. You got really two commandments as a Christian. If you do those, you'll do well. Love God, love your neighbor. You do those two things, you'll do well. 
You want to make it simple? That's it. Love God, love your neighbor. Everything else is in that. If you love your neighbor, you'll honor your neighbor. Okay, let's go. Where is my honor, says the Lord of hosts? You priests despise my name. Yet you say, how have we despised your name? You offer defiled food at my altar. But you say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible when you offer the blind as a sacrifice. Is that not evil? When you offer the lame and sick, is that not evil? Offer that to your governor, your president, your premier. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably? Says the Lord of hosts. But now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us while this is being done by your hands. Will he accept you favorably, says the Lord. Who is it among you that would shut the doors so that you would not kindle a fire on my altar in vain? I have no pleasure in you, nor will I accept an offering by your hand. Uh, guys, I don't have time. You should read the whole book at the very end. And I'm not even going to go. Folks, regarding tithing, there are pastors that disagree about whether the new creation Christian needs to tithe. We need to put God first. And that I'll say. You need to pray about what you're doing when it comes to giving. He, God said in his holy word that he doesn't want leftovers. And he also says, if you honor me in multiple places, I'll honor you. He says, I'm a great king. I am a great king, and I'm worthy of it. But he also promises. And what I always say, if you really believe that, if that's what you really believe, then it'll be easy for you because you know that. Now, I know it's true. I've practiced this stuff for years. I know it's true. I'm not hungry. The only reason I'm skinny is because I run all the time. Otherwise, I'd be chubby. I'm well fed. I'm well watered, okay? I eat well. Pam feeds me well. God blesses us. So I won't argue. I won't nickel and dime you. The point is, at the heart... Giving is a grace that God works in our heart, and it's a way that he has allowed us to honor him. I don't have time to go to 2 Corinthians, but I'm gonna, i got to read this scripture, scripture and call it a close. I hope. Here it is. Chapter 3, he says, But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi, and purge them as gold and silver, and they shall offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. What's God going to do? I, got, I, got, I didn't even go over these scriptures here about honor and stuff like that. What God wants regarding our life, he, by the transforming power of God and by renewing our mind, he wants to purify our hearts that we can offer him offerings in righteousness. 
that are right, read uh, Matthew 23, write it down about the Pharisees. Everything they did was on the outside. Everything they did was for men. God says, I want to burn, refine, purify your hearts that when you bring me an offering, it is an offering in faith and it is an offering of righteousness. Whether it's $2, 20 or 2000 it is an offering in righteousness. You're bringing it as your true worship to me. That includes your praise. When you, oh, I could get on that. When we come in here on Sunday, if you're tired, drink three cups of coffee. But Drink five cups of coffee. But come in here with the idea that he who worships God, the Bible says, he who gives me thanks offers worship to God. We come in and we worship God. We're giving him the first fruits of our lip. The first fruits of our lip. Not only financially, we give him of our lips. And then toward one another, because we honor God, we have a culture of honor with our praise, with our lives becoming a living sacrifice. Then we honor one another, and we do that by preferring one another above ourselves. I'm not perfect at it, but I'm on my way. How about you? I'm done. I'm done. Lord, I hope I pleased you with that. Father, I, I, I pray for the church, and, and I really pray that we get this point, Lord. I want to leave on a high note, Lord. I pray we get the point. The point is, is always and forever our heart attitude towards you. That includes giving. That includes praise. That includes our daily living, God. Our lives, because we're the sons of Levi. We're the sons of God that are offering of our life. Everything about it, Lord, is an offering to you from the least to the greatest, Lord. Everything we do becomes a living sacrifice to you. And that's the kind of people we want to be. Now, Lord, I thank you for your grace and mercy because we've all come short of it. I've come short of it, Lord. I pray for your grace and mercy on us, Lord, that you keep renewing our minds, transforming us to who you really are in Jesus' name. I'm going to do this today. Guys, if you don't know about your eternal uh, walk with God, where you stand with the Lord, me and Pammy, at least Pammy maybe for a minute, I'm going to be up here. If you need to talk to me about your soul this morning, I'm not going to give an altar call, but you need to talk to me about your soul this morning. I'll be up front as you guys go downstairs, and I'll see you downstairs for, for dinner. We're just